MNK Talk YA now presents Fairest from the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Mayer. Welcome back to M&K Talk YA. Hi! <laughs> I'm, I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And that was your attempt to make it more casual, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Less robotic. I want to be Less an android. An android. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we start off the same way every week, so I thought, let me do a little surprise. I think I told you this. I still get nervous every week, and for some reason, starting the same way helps me, like, calmly get into it, because I know exactly what to say when I start, and then we're in it, and then I just go for it. And then I just threw you for a loop right now. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm, I'm still here. Okay. I get nervous, too, but I also just ate, like, a ton of chocolate, so I feel I feel pretty good. Okay. I feel pretty, like, well, pretty wired. <laughs> I, um, I'm having a drink. Does that help count? An adult drink? An adult drink. Oh, yeah, that counts. That's see, you know what? You're having an adult drink, and I just ate like half of a chocolate Easter bunny. So, what does that say about me? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm a little bit jealous. So, there's Mm-mm, that. You shouldn't be. It's like this disgusting rabbit that I've just been gnawing on for like the last month, every every day, just a little bit more. <laughs> and it's just like this gross body of a rabbit with no head or ears. And uh, I, also, I'm gross. <laughs> I like. Have you ever seen that comic where there's like two Easter bunnies and one is missing their tail? Like, a, there's a bite out of its tail, and the other it's missing its ears. I think I and have. the first one goes like, "My butt hurts," or "I can't sit down," or something. And the second one goes, "What?" For some reason, that's what I'm imagining right now. It's pretty close. Um. All right. So this is it, okay. Katie. Can- can I say one thing, though? It's not it. It's not? I mean, it's it's it for now, but the graphic novel stops in a place where there's definitely at least one more, if not multiple more, coming, right? Yes, and I did not expect that because I thought it was just like one self-contained graphic novel, and then things were not wrapping up, and I was getting concerned because I was like, wait a minute, there's like five more pages, and so I know. much more has to happen. I was like, this is going to be such a dumb ending if they just like suddenly magically resolve everything in the last five pages. And then I got there and I was like, oh. Yeah, I didn't expect that. I wonder when the next one's going to come out. Yeah, I don't know. But it seems like your prediction was right about um, Eco and Kenny. Well, I had a feeling when we were, when they first interacted, but maybe it was wishful thinking, but I guess, or maybe I'm just um, really insightful. Let's go with that. (laughs) <laughs> and then in the next book when I c- predict everything completely wrong we'll reconsider that but yeah well I'm glad because that was like one thing that I was sad about when the series ended was Ego didn't have a love interest so I think we'll get to see that kind of develop if we keep reading the graphic novels so that's exciting I think the sad thing is the only reason I really thought that though was because it was the only guy that Ico really interacted with independently in the books you know what I that's mean? That's true. And who didn't already have a love interest. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like... I, go ahead. 
I really like that we got more of her background because she's always been one of my favorite, or not background necessarily, but more of her perspective. Because she's always been one of my favorite characters and she's always been kind of the sidekick, not one of the main people, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, and it was nice to see her kind of be a little bit more independent in this book and kind of take on a role of her own instead of always being like tied to Cinder or, I don't know, fulfilling kind of a side role. I also think, I haven't read a graphic novel in forever. I think I told you, I read Legend, but because it was the exact same story and I'm not super into graphic novels, I wasn't as, like I didn't read, this. I didn't read Prodigy or Champion, well, Champion isn't. Champion, Champion comes out tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. I know, I'm going to be useless until I finished it. <laughs> but this one was, I think, because I hadn't read one in a while, and it was still a new story. I'm really mm-hmm. bad at graphic novels, though. I just want to read them. Like, I, and you don't want to look at the to pictures? stop and look at the pictures. I I'm do, like, too. flipping too quickly. And... I do, too. I love graphic novels, though. I'm, I absolutely love them. But I'm the same way. Like, I care more about the words than the pictures. And, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I stop myself, and I'm like, oh, wait, let's look at things. Like, let's look at Thorne for a while. Let's just gaze yeah. into his eyes. No, the thing that, like, I... <laughs> just tear out one of the pages and put it above your bed (laughs) maybe i already did that no comment i have the one thing that i didn't like about the legend graphic novels though is i thought that they really like they missed an opportunity to make the costumes really amazing because i remember when i was reading that book they had all these descriptions of june's dresses and i don't know the uniforms that they wear and they sounded so cool and then i remember being a little bit let down at how kind of ordinary everything looked and I was like oh mm-hmm. that's a shame like you could have really taken a chance there to design something really cool in terms of fashion for the graphic novel and it, it just seems like it was a little hastily done but that's fair I don't even rem- I've read it so long ago yeah I, I liked this I liked this graphic novel I thought that um it was definitely weird seeing the characters represented visually yeah a lot of them weren't really how I pictured them but again, I think I just love that there was more of a story. You know how when we were reading um, kind of the epilogue, I forget what the name of it was, the one in Stars Above when uh, Wolf and Scarlet get married, how I was like, I just want to see them in everyday life. I felt like I got more of a glimpse of that in this book. You know, yeah. what their just like lives are like afterwards. That's true. I didn't think that Thorn looked the way I thought he was going to look at all. And I, he looks kind of younger than I thought he would. Yes, I agree. I guess I always kind of imagine like a boy. Bradley Cooper in my head. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so yeah, he looks a lot more boyish. And for some reason, I know she's not Asian, but I always imagine Cinder as Asian. I think it's because it took place in Asia. Yeah, you know, like it takes place so in we, China. Yeah, and I know she's lunar, but I don't know. In my mind, when I was reading the books, I always imagined her Asian. So. That's kind of weird to see. I was about to say, oh, never mind. No, that doesn't make sense. Because Winter's not her actual biological relative. Mm-mm. Oh, and we learn all about that in Ferris. Yeah, okay. So should we dig into Ferris? Do you, do you want to say any more about the book? Mm-hmm. Wires and nerves? I'm trying to think. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, the story was just okay for me. I wasn't super enthralled by it. Yeah, I think I, I was on a plane and I read it like... And half the, fl- you know, it was a really quick read. Yeah. But for me, I just, I liked getting kind of a glimpse of it all. I was, I, I think if I knew it was going to be multiple books, I would have approached it differently and maybe Same thought here. differently about it. But, um, but I didn't. So, you know, whatever. I do. I did realize that um, my new haircut is very similar to Cress's in the books. <laughs> 
Coincidence. Did I tell you? Yeah, I know, I know Chris is your thing, but <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at her and I was like, oh, that kind of looks like me now. I cut off like 10 inches of my hair. I don't think I've seen any pictures. I need to, you need to send me one later. I, I should, but I felt very much like Rapunzel where I just got rid of a lot of weight off of my head. I cut my hair the day, like the day before I started my new job. I was like, I'm going to change my life and cut my hair. I think that's what it was. It was like I have a new place to live and... I needed a new look. What can I say? <laughs> I get it. Um, okay. Fairest. I also, oh, oh, I also learned something really cool. I learned that the fans of the Lunar Chronicles have a name. What? What is it? So you know how like Taylor Swift fans are called Swifties? I, like, I'm a Swiftie. You're a Swiftie. Yeah. So the fans are called Lunartics. <laughs> I love Isn't that. that amazing? I know, I know. I forget where I read that, but I was just like, oh my god, that's perfect. Wait, yes, I am a lunat- lunatic. Full-blown lunatic. Wait, I think it was in Wires and Nerves, or maybe it was in Stars Above on the back or something, but I feel like I saw something. It wasn't the Rampion Rangers. It was whatever their actual name of the group was, and I forget what it is now. Oh. And maybe it's just like the Rampion crew or something. Yeah, it was in like the Acknowledgements <laughs> or something. Sounds familiar. Okay, anyway. So we're lunatics. We're lunatics. And we're Swifties. Yeah. And probably several other things that we'll unravel as we I hope, read more. I hope there's a fan name for every single every single group. If there's not, can we start one? Yes. <laughs> yes. We will do that at the end of every series. Make up a fan name. Oh my god, I love it. Um, so <laughs> uh, now I just want to read more series. I know. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about because we finally got Lavana's backstory and we've been wanting to have it since day one. Yes. What do you think? Well, my first thought is while I sympathize with her more, I still don't, she's still a bad guy. You know, like I don't, it, yeah. she, there wasn't anything as hard as her life was and as much as I kind of get her more, I never, there was never something where I was like, oh, that explains it. I agree. Like you made, you're viewing it not the way I would, but I see why you're doing things the way you're doing them. Like, I still mm-hmm. I still don't, like, fully sympathize with her or get her. Me either. And I found it hard to believe that she couldn't stop at some point and realize that what she was doing was wrong. You know? Exactly. Because at some point, you have to stop and have some perspective. Even if, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't sad when her parents died. They had a really bad relationship. You know, she felt really no remorse at losing her her sister, even if you have no connection to your family or have, even though you've not really experienced love, it seems so hard that you can't put yourself, you can't have empathy. Like she had no empathy for Everett. I think that was the hardest, like I can't imagine Everett didn't have more of an impact on her in a positive way. Like I get that he wasn't, I don't, like I can't believe she never tried to like be a better person to impress him or something. You know what I mean? Like Mm. she always went to control or to physically altering her appearance to try to win him over. And all, all of the choices she made there were wrong, but you see winter's background and you know, he was like a good guy with good morals. And obviously some of that, some of what he told winter, we now have a better understanding. It's because of his experience with Lavana, but um, I'm surprised that he didn't have more of a positive impact on her. Yeah, because, I mean, there's that one scene where he is like, I just want to see the real you, you know, but she can't, she can't let go of the control. And yeah, you're right. Like she, 
she wants to impress him, but she doesn't realize what she needs to do in order to gain his love. She just keeps doing the wrong thing. But I, I also think that maybe, don't you think he, he maybe kept his distance a little bit? Like, I think he was always maybe there to possibly influence her, but I don't think he tried as much as he, you know, could have because... Yeah. Well, I, I think don't... he wanted to distance himself from her as much as possible, too. Yeah. I don't think he had a responsibility to change her or that he did much to try to change her. I just feel like knowing that that was the one thing in her life that she really cared about, I'm surprised she didn't, like, try more methods try of harder. winning yeah. him over, kind of, or something. Well... I agree, but I also think that at some point she thought he did love her because, and she thought that what he had with her was love because she didn't have anything to compare it to, right? And so at the end, she's like, it started out as a farce, but you love me now, don't you? Like, she was so certain that he did, and he, and he kept saying, like, are you serious? This is not love at all. How can you even think that? But I think she was deluded enough that she actually thought he did care for her. And a lot of that is because of how she was raised and how young she was when she was going through all of this. Like, I kind of get it, but I just, I don't understand how she didn't grow up more through this whole process. I mean, gosh, her sister was just such a terrible person. (laughs) She was. And it almost makes me like question, why did we want her daughter to be on the throne? Like, obviously we know Cinder didn't turn out like that, but part of me is like, as bad as Levana is, I don't know that I'd, I'd, I'd want like a real revolution. I wouldn't want like the true heir to come back. No, me either. I think, though, didn't they say there was, like, um, a lunar superstition about what would happen if the bloodline wasn't carried through? That's true. Like they had some kind of really innate fear about what would happen if the bloodline died, so... Well, we even saw that in Wires and Nerves when Cinder announces that she wants to make it um, a democracy. They're like, what? The bloodline? Blah. Yeah, that's true. One thing I thought that was interesting about her sister, though, you know that scene? Well, she was she was randomly, like, kind of a good mom. So the fact that she could have kind of a change of heart and, um, you know, find a little bit of goodness in her life after having a daughter also made me more upset that Lavana didn't have a similar moment at any point. Yeah. but With, win- with Winter or with Celine. Yeah. Or, or just... In any way, shape, or form, but just like Channer, as bad as Channery was, she still like did have in late in life kind of a little bit of humanity come through. Yeah. Do you think that that, that was because Lavana couldn't have children? Maybe. You know, and so there was like a bitterness there that she couldn't bring herself to love Winter when she was childless. It would be it would be interesting to see if she had a child with Everett if they both would have loved the child and how that would have affected their relationship. Yeah, or come together a little bit more. Yeah. Because she couldn't have glamoured her baby if she had one, since they say you're not allowed to, like, manipulate children's brain waves when they're young. So, I don't know. And that's also the baby probably would have loved her, no matter how she looked anyways, because yeah. that's how, you know, babies, I think, natural instinct is to love their mom, especially if they're actually caring for them. Yeah, like, they don't, yeah, they don't discriminate. But no, the funny thing I was going to say was, do you remember the scene where Channery was talking about Emperor Kai? And she said, yes. maybe my daughter should marry him or whatever. And I just thought it was I kind of it was funny. so funny. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this was planned like from the very beginning before any of this even happened. And then it, it even, you know, it kind of fit. And then her talking about marrying the emperor and how mm-hmm. Lavana was like so turned off by it, but then later tried the exact same move. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> That was so funny that they were, like, ar- arranging a marriage between them at the very beginning. But also, like, 
this is the other thing that I was questioning. So Channery was really upset when Levana married the guard because she was like, I've promised your hand to so many p- families. Like I was going to use you to make a political alliance. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, there's only one of her, so I don't know how that was going to work. But, and then I was, but why didn't Channery use herself as a pawn? Not a pawn, but like, why didn't she use her powers? So mar- yeah, or like marry someone herself to. Well, I didn't even really buy it when she said that. I felt like it was just like another kind of mean big sister thing she was doing. Like, she, I just think she didn't like that. Lavana was doing something on her own and didn't like that Lavana was trying to find her own happiness and yeah that's true but it just seems strange because it's like I did I did like how on Luna there's not they don't really care about monogamy or marriage for expressly the purpose of producing children mm-hmm. so I thought you know she could still have her affairs and be married on Luna and it like no one would blink an eye at that yeah and I thought it was kind of in, like an interesting twist from the usual stories where for monarchies, you have to have, you know, the, the child of the king and the queen is very important. But Chanry was like, the whole point is that I don't know who the father of Selena is. Yeah. And that no one seemed to care that they didn't know No who one cared. Like as long as she had a kid and could produce the bloodline, the, the paternal ancestry did not matter whatsoever. And I kind of, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Well, it's also interesting when you think about it because you can always tell who the mother is based on who gives birth, even in whatever world we're talking about or history or whatever. Like, you think you know who the father is and now we can do DNA tests and all this stuff. But really, like, the only thing you know for certain when a kid is born is who the mom is. That's true. And I was wondering, like, if the role was, was reversed and there was a king who was on the throne, I wonder if they would have been much more particular about knowing who the mother was yeah maybe like would he have had the same freedom that Channery did I also think it was interesting that I think the reason Lavana was originally so attracted to Everett was the fact that he was monogamous and so dedicated to his wife right like he she was just trying to replicate that so even though that wasn't what was celebrated on Luna there is still some of that human element left in the Lunars where there seemed to be some desire to have that kind of relationship or that kind of devotion or that kind of love yeah I think it was devotion she had never really met someone who was completely satisfied by one person or who was so cherished by another person and I think that's what really drew her not just to Everett but also to Solstice like the weird infatuation she has with his wife yeah um just to be like what is it about you that makes one person happy to be just with you and be exclusive with you yeah especially because her parents didn't seem to care at all even though we didn't really meet them her sister obviously viewed her as the opposite of (laughs) that cherished one (laughs) right and it didn't even seem like she had like she felt like she always had to do something to win over everyone else's approval like even though she was a princess she never had just that like Oh, it's the princess. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, she because she's always. I mean, she's like Cinder a lot in in some ways, where she's just completely unwanted and she feels like she will never be worthy. And I mean, her issues are based in the fact that she isn't beautiful and she feels like beauty is everything. And because she's not beautiful, she doesn't. 
She will never have a husband who cares about her like Everett. She will never be loved by her people. It seems like she's very hung up on that. Yeah. It was interesting, though. I mean, obviously it went the wrong way, but she did kind of throw herself into the role of being queen when Channery wasn't Mm -hmm. taking as much initiative. And I think she was trying to learn about the – like, she definitely was misguided on some of the ways she approached things, but she was very interested in, like, being a good ruler in her version of what that meant. She was. And it's interesting because – like, even that was misguided, though, right? Because Everett was like, well, you haven't even been to see the people in the lower sectors. How can you say you care about your people when you're not trying to meet with them? Yeah. So it's this, kind of the same thing where she has good intentions, but they're just really misguided. Yeah. How much older was he than her? Everett? Um, that's a good question. Because he's older, right? Like, he's, I mean, because she's pretty yeah. young when they get married and he's already... I bet he's maybe in his late 20s. Because I feel like, again, I don't think he had any actual responsibility to, but I'm kind of disappointed that he wasn't able to make more of an impression on her. Because I feel like if he had decided to do it, he could have. He probably could have, yes. But again, though, like she, I think he, oh, his whole situation is so revolting. Because like, I think he was turned off by the fact that she was so young and was coming on to him really hard. And then she manipulates him essentially into like sleeping with him, marrying him, being the mother to his daughter. Like, I don't know how you could look at someone like that and not be filled with repulsion. Okay, but at their wedding, wasn't he actually kind of like, because he gave her the ring, right? Surprisingly. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's a couple of moments where he almost thinks about at least kind of trying. Yeah. Well, he has to make the best of a bad situation, right? Because his choice essentially is death, right? Or... Yeah. Like, he was going to... Like, he packed his bags and he was going to leave. And then Channery refused his resignation, saying, like, oh, I'm having too much fun watching... Which is also just... Yeah. No, I know. I mean, and I'm not saying... Obviously he didn't owe her anything or whatever. I'm just like a little bit disappointed. Like, I just feel like he could have done more, but I don't blame him for not doing more, if that makes sense. (laughs) I think, I think you have the moment where she does finally reveal her glamour and she is trying, you know, like, because she has the moment where she like snaps at him and then she comes back and she tries to apologize and she shows him her true self. And he was like, it's too late. You know, you should have done this 10 years ago. Yeah. So, which again, I relate to, but also I was like, if only, (laughs) if only each of them put in a little more effort a little bit sooner, maybe everything would have been different. I also, I'm still, I still don't get how you can try to burn a child when you went through that experience. Cause it's obviously was such a trauma, like it was so traumatizing for her. I can't imagine doing that to anyone else. I don't either. And it's, well, I mean, can you can you imagine also like having your your um, seamstress's feet removed just so she has nothing better to do than dr- like make dresses for you all day? Like maybe there's something in the bloodline that is just a little bit not right. That's where I go back to the. Are we sure we want Cinder on the throne in the first place? I mean, I know I like her at, like now, but my goodness, she maybe like got the better end of the deal by getting burned and put in that animation chamber for seven years i mean who knows what she would have become if she had been left to be raised by channery and lavana i mean also wait so channery died by regolith poisoning Mm -hmm. do we think do we suspect any foul play there (laughs) no i don't because she was coughing i mean she had all the symptoms of it and it it all makes sense with her um having her trysts down in the tunnels yeah I don't, I, yeah, that that would be tough to 
prove that because there's no way you can get regolith poisoning except by being in those environments right yeah it's just it was so unheard of for aristocrats and also since it's from lavana's perspective i don't think lavana did anything but before i knew how she died i was expecting lavana to decide to kill her to kill her to yeah, keep the throne I was and wondering all that why she didn't i was kind of wondering why she didn't do that either because she has no problem killing her sister's daughter I don't know. That's Well, you know what? Maybe she didn't do it because she knew Channery wasn't stepping up to take over the role and she knew she was going to have control. Mm-hmm. So maybe she just didn't feel it was worth it. Also, that poor seamstress, didn't they say they did take off her feet and she hadn't yeah. even finished recovering and went... So not only... When she died. I mean, I feel like if someone's going to chop off my feet, I'd be like, don't worry. I will literally sit here until all your... Like, I'll do, I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, I'll make your yeah. dresses. You don't have to. I won't go anywhere. You don't have to chop off my feet for it. I thought that too was like too much. You know, like we already knew that Channery was a bad person. I kind of thought that was like a little too much on the author's part. Like you, we could have stopped. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I am. You know, every time we hear someone's backstory, I want to know everyone else's backstory. I kind of want to know more about her, actually, because she seems so happy with her life. Who Channery? Channery. You know, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, so is the only difference like the scarring, like otherwise, you know, otherwise would Lavana have ended up the same way, or is Channery, I don't know, you know, like I don't know, because they, I think her cruelty, even if Lavana wasn't scarred, I think Channery's cruelty would have beaten her down pretty much the same way. Yeah, I mean, she was definitely a bully and a bad person and all this stuff, but I just, I also feel like they're, like it says something about how Lavana could have been. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I haven't thought this through. I'm going to abandon this idea. Let's move on. <laughs> well, it's just, she's so, Lavana's just so, she just has no idea of what's right and wrong. Like even from the very beginning when she was going to, she was like choosing her glamour for the funeral and she was going to go as her dead mom to the funeral. Like, what are you thinking? That Like, how could you even entertain that idea and not think that that's completely bizarre? And then when she impersonates Everett's wife the entire time they're married, like, it's so wrong. And it's just, I But don't... what took him so long to say something to her? I think he was scared because she's the princess and he's just a guard. Yeah. It also would be interesting if he had if he'd... winter. I was going to say, if he didn't have winter, it'd be interesting yeah. to see what more he would have risked, kind of. Because I think that was a big thing he was trying to you know, be a good dad and protect her. I think that's exactly what it was. Because if you think about it, what she did to him is really no different than what Amory did to the servant. Yeah, it's very, very similar. And I think the only reason he maybe didn't go the same way is because he had winter and he knew he had to be there for her. Because otherwise, Lavana would have probably been left to raise winter. Yeah, yeah. And not only is it like more, it's dangerous for him because he's a guard and he could have been punished for like making advances on her. Like she could have totally twisted that. Yeah. Like she has all the control. She does. Lit- like literally, like she can actually control him and also just position wise and ever- and society. It's terrifying. Ugh. It was, it was just, it was really just, dis- like it was really disturbing. I, I mean, I like, like it was really ugly. <laughs> It was very ugly. I mean, and it is kind of nice to have the backstory of Lavana, but well, it was like, like, it was worse than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it was, especially, I, I mean, and I still feel bad for her. Again, I don't think it excuses anything. Like, I still think she should have realized something, especially she seems so knowledgeable about the way certain things about politics work. Like, she wasn't an idiot. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that she was dumb. She just was so unaware of certain things. But how could no one 
her sister was terrible. It sounds like her parents were uninvolved. But how was there not a tutor? Like, Everett was the first person to ever show her any kindness at all. Is that what we're... Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's she's almost worse than Cinder because at least Cinder had Peony yeah. and Eco. But she has, she's completely friendless. Yeah. And I, th- and I think she also just sees other people like Channery and Solstice who seemingly acquire everything that she wants with no effort. And of course, that's not true. But from her perspective, people get things so easily that she feels like she works so hard to try and get and can never achieve. And I think it's just this deep-rooted bitterness. Yeah. Because even at the end, like, she hires that Thermitage to kill Everett so she can be free to marry again, just so she can make a, a marriage alliance. Which also, I that like did, that felt out of character to me a little bit. Yeah. Unless she thought, I kind of got the idea that like she thought that he would never grow to love her. And she kind of had this realization that their marriage was a lie. And so maybe she just thought, well, if I can't have him, then I'll do something to try and do something for my people instead and get them to love me. I don't know. I know. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. It's just, it still seems so great. I kind of, I think what I wish had happened, especially after you're making all these comparisons to Cinder, I wish there had been more of kind of a moment before the end where her and Cinder realized how similar they were similar and, they are. and how close Cinder could have, you know, that Lavana had a moment where yeah. she realized I could have made different decisions and, you know, had a loyal, like actual loyal group of friends and where Cinder yeah. kind of realized, thank God I had these people to help me. That's a good point. There's not a lot of like growth or realization. Yeah. That doesn't really ever happen. Like, which could have been a really cool moment. Yeah. Cause I think, I still think it's good that like, like I still think Lavana needed to take that final heart stab and you know whatnot but I do kind of wish there was a little bit more of a moment between them where you saw that sort of parallel and they each kind of realized the parallel but whatever yeah because they are I mean they are related their aunt she's her niece and even and so even some of the became... challenges they each went through were so related yeah and like we came from the same place and yeah though I would have wished we could see that too I almost wish, too, that we had read Ferris before Stars Above because Stars Above was so, like, the last chapter was so uplifting and so hopeful and so beautiful. And now we're kind of left with, like, oh, here's Lavana's story. <laughs> well, you know I, mean? I did read Ferris before I read Wires and Nerve. So okay. that one, and this was, like, going backwards. And in some ways that was kind of like a, yeah, but you're right, it was sort of just a negative, like, meh. <laughs> It is kind of the final puzzle piece, though. So it all fits now. But yeah, I wish we had left with something a little bit more uplifting. Yeah. Although it makes you even more glad that Cinder's dissolving her crazy blood. Because that's the other thing. What if Cinder and Kai have a crazy kid? (laughs) Well, I guess we're learning now that it is like how you're raised and not so much your blood. That's true. But I also, I still want to know more about, because Scarlet, I'm still disappointed about this too. This is another thing in the series. She was partially lunar, partially human, right? And that, like, mm-hmm. wasn't even a thing at all. No, it could have been such a good... It could have been a really cool thing to have happen. Or anything. Even if it wasn't you know? a power thing, but even if that was just more of a... Like, I don't I don't even know. But... She never gets in touch with her lunar side. Yeah. Well, I guess because she just doesn't identify as lunar whatsoever. But if you think about how political of a statement it was that they were having a wedding between a human and a wolf man... Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, you it was also be... part lunar. Yeah, because yeah, because also whatever she is, like that's the future of Cinder and Kai's kids. They're going to be part lunar. Yes, they will. And 
And, and what? You're such an idiot. I was going to say in part cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> Wait, should we end on a happier note? Should we make any predictions for wires and nerves and what's going to happen there? Cinder and Kai are going to have a baby. <laughs> and Well, first they're going to get married. And then they're going to have a baby. When are Cross and, and Thorn s- getting married? Is that happening before or after Cinder They're going to wait. <laughs> They're going to wait because Cress needs to see the world. And stop getting sick so she can actually see it. (laughs) Although I'm glad that she's getting sick just because that's realistic. (laughs) Yes, it really is. I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they're going to travel around, see all the, every ancient wonders of the world. And then Scarlet and Wolf are going to have a baby too. And she's going to be pregnant at the same time Cinder is. Okay, wait, here's, here's a good question though. So Wolfman was modified by science. <laughs> Can we say that? Do you mean Z? <laughs> yes, I mean Z. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm saying like his wolf qualities are not, but they're they're genetic now, right? So like if he, if they have a kid, does the kid have wolf genes, oh, or is that like because yeah. of, or is that not part of the what gets passed on? No, it has to be because his DNA is intertwined with that of a wolf now. Interesting. That oh was boy. What would that look like? That was also interesting because in Wires and Nerves, one of the big points that the like opposition is trying to make is if they could make us this way, why can't they unmake us this way, or whatever? I still don't understand that. I, I, I maybe she thought it would be too neat if they were able to. You mean why can't they undo it? Yeah, I don't understand why they can't do it. If they can install like some bioelectronic blocker on your spine. Well, I think... Maybe because it's your DNA, I was going to say, I I would think they could probably do something to make them more human, but I don't think they can make them, like, undo it. Yeah, I guess so. Because your DNA is already, like, messed... (laughs) Unless they, like, saved your DNA somewhere and, like... Yeah, that's a good question. But it is... It's weird. Like, if you can do it, why can't you undo it? Like, I think that there must be some way that you could, like, replace the wolf DNA with something else, but I don't think you could replace the wolf DNA with DNA that doesn't exist anymore. I agree. So then they'd be like, like part themselves and part like some other human oh, or other man. <laughs> So now I'm thinking of Scarlet and Wolf having these little wolf hybrid babies. They might be adorable. I'm sure they probably would be. A little adorable French-speaking wolf baby. <laughs> a French-speaking wolf baby. <laughs> That's not a phrase you ever thought you would say, is it? <laughs> nope. Oh, good thing they all have a farm that they can live on. <laughs> And then what's going to happen with Winter and Jason? Oh, yeah. Because she's still technically a princess, right? She's an ambassador now. I mean, she's a princess by cool. blood, but if they dissolve the monarchy, I don't know what that means. She. I feel like they'll live on Luna. Yeah, because they're both lunar. Mm-hmm. And they'll live like a summer home on Earth. Although but... he's going to med school on Earth, and who knows how long that takes with all the new technology. Maybe it's quicker. Maybe you have to learn oh, way more. That's true. Maybe he'll come to Northwestern. <laughs> I hope Northwestern's still there. Go cats. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think Eco and Kenny are finally going to get together after he gets over his weird prejudice against I was going to say, androids. but I he's like really bothering me actually because he's so, he's so like anti-android and outspoken about it. And it's also- I know, when he was like, you're a machine, you don't have feelings. Like, yikes. 
And after they've been interacting, like, I mean, in some ways I like, not like seeing it, but I think it's interesting to see the prejudice against her, like, at the store, you know, where they're like, oh, who are, oh, yeah. who are you, and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's interesting to see that side of humans, but it's weird to see someone who knows her, like, actually really well, and is friends mm-hmm. with all these other people, and respects Cinder so much, and still says that stuff. Yeah, because it's it would be offensive if you have the mind of a human to not be considered human. That'd be horribly offensive. I mean, she's completely evolved to the point where she is human, but just because she still has an android body, they treat her as less than. Yeah, and again, I and like, again, I kind of, I kind of get that from people who have only interacted with androids who are actual androids. Yes. But yes. how I don't get how he still thinks that way. Yeah, because I think if you are raised among androids and you are and you know how they traditionally act. And what is considered, quote unquote, normal for an android. And then you see someone like Ego, who's, you know, very different. Mm-hmm. I think it would be hard to convince yourself that she is not just like all the other androids. Or it would be hard not to say like, well, what is in your programming that's making you do this? Instead of thinking of her as kind of an independent thinking being. Yeah. And right? especially if you barely interacted with her, like the lady in the store or whatever. But right. And also, I think, because I think escort droids must be able to imitate human stuff to an extent in order for that to be a popular thing, right? Sure. I mean, you think so. <laughs> if you get my drift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got it. But, uh. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, like, kind of, like, I mean, I still think they're going to get together. Like, I, I feel like that's where this is going. But I kind of don't even want them to. <laughs> I mean, it would be nice to have him, like, come to this realization and, like, see him kind of grow yeah but i also hope that there end up being more androids like eco so she's not such a rarity it would be nice to see kind of i don't know, I hate to call it a glitch but i i more like anomalies like her happen yeah it's really but an evolution like, i mean it's the same thing as any an kind of mutation yeah. in genetics right it's like the yes. same idea although yeah although we were just talking about little wolf hybrid babies and how <laughs> cyborgness won't be passed on to cinder's kids but I don't know how that whole piece would work. It's not like, do they build a baby? Do they, ad- they could adopt? Ad- they could ad- adopt. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good question. Because I don't think there's anything you can do there. But yeah. But I, you know, I also like how Eco how is not prejudiced towards other androids that aren't as evolved as she is. Because if you remember like back in, I think it's winter when she is dressing up like one of the escort droids or one of the servant droids, and she steals her costume, and she has that moment where she looks at her and she says, um, we could be sisters, you and I. Yeah. But, and she kind of has that nice moment where she recognizes that she is one of them, but, and then I think she says something flippant, like, it's not my fault I have a more evolved brain than you, but but she does call herself, you know, like, you are my sister, I acknowledge you, in a different world, I could be you. Yeah. And I do feel like the next step is not just to say, well, Eco is different from other androids and therefore we should accept her. The next step is really to say androids can, you know, recognizing all androids, not just the ones that yeah. have this glitch. Yeah, that's true. One day we'll have androids maybe. <laughs> well, we have Alexa now and Tamagotchis. <laughs> Alexa and Tamagotchis, what else do we need? It's a good start. <laughs> all right. Do we want to talk about I hate to say goodbye to the Lunar Chronicles. Well, we'll come. Okay, when the maybe we won't do one when the next book comes out, but if there's multiple graphic novels, maybe when the series is done, we'll come back and like revisit the rest of the graphic novel. Okay, because we're lunatics. Oh yeah. (laughs) 
I am a certified lunar tip. And, and we have to make our whole line of shirts. Remember all those shirts we designed in our minds? <laughs> in our minds, yeah. Well, you're the graphic designer. Um, I come up with the ideas and you you have to actually design them for us. <laughs> I have to put them in practice. We can have a whole line of t-shirts. Well, we also do our podcast spinoff, write our book, and, um, you know, live full lives as whatever. <laughs> As fully functioning adults. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Good luck. <laughs> this chocolate bunny eating and all the other crazy stuff I do. Oh, I need to throw that away. <laughs> okay, but yes. So let's get excited about something new. Tell us what is next. Okay. So next, we are going to read, because we kind of talked, we've been talking about Marie Lou for a, a little bit now. So we're going to read The Young Elites. Yay. Which is her second series. Um, her first one was Legend. This one is a completely different world. And I have to say I have read it already. And I have not because I hate reading things until they all come out. And then we had decided about this podcast. So I was waiting until we talked about it for real. But um, I loved Legend. So I'm really excited. Oh, yes, I know. I, as did I. We will we'll read that one too. But we're going to start with something that Katie has not read. Okay. So... Okay, it's called The Young Elites by Marie Lu. The first book is The Young Elites. The second book is The Rose Society. And the third book is The Midnight Star, which just came out this past November. And we're going to start with The Young Elites, and we're going to read up through page 172. So when you get to um, the next Adelina Amoteru chapter, stop. And that's roughly halfway, right? Yeah, it's about it's about halfway. The first... Um, there's like a passage on the on the on the start of the chapter that says, "I hereby pledge to serve the Dagger Society." So when you see that, stop reading, and listen to the podcast, or just keep reading if it's really good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have to I have to force myself to stop reading, like at the places where, that we dictate, because I would absolutely give something away, and I will really try not to give anything away about this book. I have to like time it so that I start it like a day or two before we're recording so that I can like stop there and then as soon as we're done recording finish reading the book. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah because you, so you can still remember yeah. it. Well and just so I don't have to like really stop for very long. You oh, know like true. as soon as we record <laughs> then I can go finish up for the next piece but then there's a break and whatever. Um, okay do you want me to read the back of this? Yes please. So we know what it's about? I really know nothing about it to be honest except that it's by Marie Lou and I. Oh my god. I really liked this series. It's very dark. I will say that. It's much darker than Legend, and it's much darker than the Lunar Chronicles. But well, if you like dark, like I heard, I heard mixed things from people, which is why I also wasn't sure if I was going to read it. So oh, yeah, I your sister I like didn't it. like it, right? I think, yeah, I think it was her, yeah. Um, all right, well, I'll let you decide for yourself. But here's <laughs> the back. Oh, it's short. Okay. A decade ago, a deadly blood fever swept through the nation. Most of the infected perished, but some survivors were left with strange markings, rumored to signify powerful gifts for those who possessed them. And though their identities remain secret, this group of survivors has come to be called the Young Elites. The Inquisition Axis seeks to destroy them. The Dagger Society aims to find them before the Inquisition Axis. And Adelina Amontaru just wants to be left alone. But two truths will soon surface. Adelina's powers are far from ordinary, and she is not to be crossed. Mm -hmm. Ooh. So I'm this one, it's about um, an anti-hero, actually. So. I love that. Okay. Yeah. It's like she wanted to write a book about, like, from the villain's point of view. 
I always think about that because I'm always so fascinated. You know how I've identified with Lavana almost even more than Cress when we've been talking. I'm like, this is what I would do as the villain. (laughs) (laughs) It's always kind of fun to play the villain. I will say that. I also am going to be scared of all this bioterrorism that we read about. There's a blood disease. Well, I don't know if it's bioterrorism, but all the diseases of the future. Yeah. Well, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to research. Yeah. Because I still want there to be that component. Yeah. Well, you're the better researcher. I just ask a lot of questions and give sometimes false facts. <laughs> I might actually go to the library. We'll see. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe. You should know. I gave a false fact in our last episode, but I was editing it and I cut it out because I realized it was false. So What did you say? It, well, I'm not telling you on this. I'll tell you later. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, that's funny because I like didn't even bat an eye when you said it. (laughs) Well, I think I told you in the podcast, I was like, that might be false. And you were like, we should Google that. And when I was editing, I was like, I should Google that. And I was like, yep, that's not true. (laughs) No fake news, Katie. No fake news in this podcast. (laughs) I mean, I didn't Google everything. So there's probably still some fake stuff out there from me. But I'm trying to use edu sites or .org sites (laughs) and not Wikipedia. Again, I don't like the truth. I don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, as my mom always taught me. So, if it sounds interesting to me, I just share it. I fully support that. <laughs> All right, are you going to tell me a joke this week? I am. Okay, so okay. I've been. I feel like I keep hearing good jokes, and then I forget them when it's this week. So I wrote this one down. My cousin told it to me while we were waiting um, for Easter Mass to start because we got there really early. So mm-hmm. that's that's your context. And I laughed out loud. How do you cut the ocean in half? Oh, I don't know. Guess something. You have to oh, see... how do you cut the ocean in half? Um, by being Moses. With a seesaw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, that was just so like not the line I was going down. And I thought I was going to at the time. That is such a dad joke. I really yeah. like that. I know. He's going to be a great dad in like. 20 years. I think I'm going to be a really great dad with all these dad jokes. I'm going to be such a good dad with all these dad jokes. Best dads ever. (laughs) Let's make shirts. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And on that note, everyone have a wonderful week and goodbye bookworms. Bye lunatics. Go get a library (laughs) card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.